Hello and welcome to episode 95 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I'm Mitch, your host, and with me, as always, is Joe. Hello, Joe. How Hello, are you? Mitch. I'm, I'm good. You good? Yes. I've got my shit back together. Excellent. Well, need a me bag? Was no, it all over the place? It was. Okay. I was all over the place for a little while. Oh, you were? As you probably were aware, and you, the listener. Singular. Singular. The, the one. Dodsy. Yeah. Get out. As you're aware, we haven't been on for about a month and a half, two months, because I just had a bit of shit going on. Mm. I've previously had some issues with my mental health, and I was feeling a bit overwhelmed for a little while, so I thought it was probably a good idea for me to take a back seat, or a back step, more to the point, from the podcast, Mm -hmm. and just get myself back together before we got back into recording. I got to the stage where I was almost ready to record, and then I got a sinus infection, so I was sick again. And then... Just as everything was going well for me, some fucktard decided to run into my car, and now my car's been written off. So you know they did it on purpose. Of course they did. Yeah. They were like, oh, he's getting his, his shit back together. Let's fuck him up some more. But anyway, all that aside, I'm back. We have had a little bit of a discussion before we started recording about maybe a little format change to the podcast, because I also felt that because I was sort of not in a very good headspace, I wasn't enjoying a lot of the things that we were doing and watching, mm. and I felt that was coming across a little bit in the podcast. What was it? Me not wanting to wear pants when we record. Yeah, well, that that too. Yeah, that didn't help. I, I was going to mention that now. That, <laughs> so you've got pants on because it's cold tonight. Yeah. So it's it's all right. Okay, uh, but no, I'll I just felt to wear pants. I just felt that I wasn't really enjoying the things we were doing. So everything we talked about, I was kind of like, yeah, that was all right, and that was kind of okay. But I'm trying to be a little bit more positive now. I have got a couple of things I'm going to talk about tonight that I am going to shit on completely. Okay, but, but you're enjoying shitting on them. Oh yeah. Oh, that's all right then. It's justified. Oh, cool. Yeah. So the show Justified with Tim Oliphant. Good show. Is it? Yeah, don't Does he have it. a moustache? No. Because he did in Deadwood. Um, just picture the show as him as his like, great-great-grandson or something. Okay. It's kind of cool. Because mm. I tried to watch Deadwood mm. and I had it on DVD and I had to watch it with the subtitles on mm. because I couldn't understand when Timothy Oliphant talked. We're getting a movie. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But then the third season I tried to watch without the subtitles because... Back then, I was a filthy pirate, and I had torrented versions, and I just couldn't watch well, it. Well, I bought season three on DVD. I haven't watched it because they stopped it, and I heard it doesn't end. So I was like, well, I'm not going to watch half a fucking show without an ending. So it sits there in its plastic unwatched. Mm. But now they're making a movie. I better watch it. You should. Mm. But I'll wait. I'll probably do a rewatch. Good idea. The whole thing. Mm. Mm. And so we're back. Yes. There's probably a lot that we've been doing over the last couple of months. Not really. No. <laughs> I don't know. I've watched a few things. Yeah. I've played a few things and I've done a few things. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks <Lucy>. for listening. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's start. All right. Okay. Well, games. We always start with games. We do. I've been playing Far Cry 5, which is probably what we talked about last time. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> I finished it. Did you get cheeseburger? Yes. Hmm. Which is a bear. Not, not, not a cheeseburger. A cheeseburger. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a bear that becomes your companion and you send him off to slaughter people. It's pretty damn cool. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I heard another podcast talk about the ending and how they were disappointed with it being pretty much you're fucked. No matter what, there's sort of two endings, no matter what you do, and they're both pretty fucked. So I didn't really care about the storyline by that point. Okay. I'm just like, oh, I'm going to finish all the missions. I like the game mechanics, as I said before. And yeah, I finished it. It was cool. So I'm now looking for a new game mm-hmm. and I wanted something quick because that was probably a good 20, 30 hours I think I put into that and I don't have a lot of time to games and I was just like, I just need something quick. So I, I downloaded a freebie 
or I bought it for cheap or something not long ago called Deadfall. Yeah, I think it was one of the games for gold titles because I think I've got it sitting on my hard drive. Yeah, right and it, it's an Xbox 360 game. It's a first-person shooter. It's sort of a Tomb Raider-y sort of thing where you're playing Alan Quatermain's grandson in the 30s and you're out there doing your, you know, Rating tombs, essentially. Okay. It's a bit not as polished as like modern games. You know, it's, it's hard to go back to games that are even a few years old. There's mm. just certain things that just don't work as well. It is a cheapie. It's a freebie. It's fine. It's going to do its job for me. But yeah, that's about it. But we'll talk on to more gaming later, I think, because it'll sort of go into another Tie topic. Into we've got. Else, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've done a little bit of gaming. I've recently upgraded my PC, bought myself a new Windows 10 PC, and part of Windows 10 is you get to be able to mirror your 360. And I think we tried it on your laptop a little while ago. Yep. And we kind of got the screen to, to go, but we weren't sure what happened with the controller and stuff. But I've got, obviously, my PC in a different room to my Xbox in the lounge room. Mm. And I have gone out and bought myself an Xbox One Windows 10 controller. Yep. So I've got that plugged in. And basically, you can mirror your screen to your PC screen. You plug your controller into the you know, USB spot on your PC and you can play Xbox on your PC. Cool. And it works quite well for me because unlike you, I don't run my TV through the TV pass-through mm. of the Xbox. So my wife can be in the lounge room watching Foxtel, you know, watching the footy on the Foxtel and I'll just turn the Xbox on in the lounge room and go and play in the in the computer. Yeah. So initially when I got Windows 10, one of the things I noticed is when we got Gears, when we got our Xboxes, it's part of their Play Anywhere deal where yeah. you can have it on your Windows PC. So I tried to download it, but my PC, even though I bought a brand new PC, it's not quite powerful enough to play Gears. Yeah. But I've been mirroring it from the Xbox onto the PC and I've been playing a little bit of Horde mode, just sort of giving that the the test, yep. I guess, as being my test game to, to see how it works. So. PC anywhere or whatever game anywhere. Yeah, that that's a physical different game that you download and install on the. Yes. Okay. But once I did download it, my it computer wouldn't run it. I don't think my graphics card was quite up to scratch. But as far as running the Xbox mirroring, there is a little bit of lag initially when you first get into it. But other than that, it plays perfectly. Nice. And I was just mucking around with the Xbox controller. And I noticed there was a little hole on the bottom of the controller. And, I, and we've had our Xboxes almost two years now. Yeah, I think it was like October, that. November 2016 when we got our Xbox Ones. Mm -hmm. And I've only just realised the little hole in the bottom of the controller is a jack for your headphones. Yeah, you told me that. Like, yeah. Ah. So now I'm playing on the PC with my headphones plugged directly into the controller, listening to the horde mode and hearing you know the, the locusts and whatever coming around me. And it's almost surround. It's really, really good sound. Yeah, I you told me about that. It's like, yeah. oh, that's fascinating. And I tried it, and yeah, it does work. So, yeah, so I've played probably a couple of hours of Gears 4 Horde. It's making me want to get back in and finish the storyline because oh, cool. we haven't finished it, so maybe we should do that. The only other thing I've been playing is I went back and played a little bit more Fire Pro now that I've got my new computer, and initially I was a little bit worried that I would lose all my saves, my you know, mm. however hundred hours that I've spent oh, in ouch. it, but yep. I went onto some Reddit message boards and worked out which files I needed to save from the old computer to bring across, so I've got all my saves, all my characters and all that sort of stuff, yeah, so exactly. I was happy. The only trouble was the controller I initially did have for my old PC doesn't work on my new PC, and that's why I bought the new Xbox oh, One okay. controller, because previously I had had a 360 controller. And that wouldn't work with my new Windows 10 for some reason in Steam. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I've played a little bit more of that. 
the PlayStation 4 version of Fire Pro has just come out in Japan and in America. And as part of that, they are releasing the DLC that they've brought for the PlayStation across to Steam, which is the official New Japan pack that's got all the real created characters. Actual. Oh, yeah. Because none and of it's real, isn't it? It's no, all it's all very close user- to somebody who looks like, yeah. but not official. But yeah, there's plenty of user-created ones that are very good, but these are official New Japan licensed characters. So I don't know when that DLC is coming to the Steam version, but I think it's pretty soon, but I'll be dropping some dough for that. Yep. And part of that, there's kind of like a story mode that they've introduced as well, where you start off as like a jobber wrestler and you work your way up to being a main eventer. Because I'm very much looking forward to that. Excellent. And I did play another little cheapy that was, or a freebie, that was part of the Games for Gold and that's a, a little puzzle game called Death Squared, which I think was last month's Games for Gold, the yep. July one. And it's basically a physics puzzle game, which is kind of in my wheelhouse. Reminded me a little bit of Portal without the portals, if that makes sense. But you're two cube robots, and one is controlled with the right thumbstick, and the other one is controlled with the left thumbstick. And you basically have to get them from their starting point on a little map to like an end point and get through obstacles. And it's all, it's kind of tricky because you have to shield the other one from colored lasers that only affect him and don't affect the other one sort of thing. So it's quite interesting and it got very hard very quickly and it did get a little bit repetitive quickly. So I only played a little bit of that. But if you're looking for just a quick sort of, you know, five minute puzzle, that might be a fun game. Should we jump into our other gaming-related thing? Sure. Why? Because I think you jumped in quite deeply after. I, I did. Well, it's sort of gone another way. But yes, we'll talk about it in a sec that okay. I read a comic that made me get really addicted to... Well, I started Tetris again. It's sort of like I was triggered to go, oh, I'll see if there's one on the phone. Because I, d- I haven't had a game on my phone for a while. I finished okay. my last game that was on there and it's like, I didn't have one, which was good because I actually got stuff done. And it's like, oh, Tetris, yeah, I'll, I'll go see. And there's two Tetrises on for the iPhone at least, mm-hmm. at least two official Tetrises. One's normal Tetris, but there's great where they've got different modes. So there's sort of challenges and things like that because I do like Tetris. There's nothing wrong with it. The problem is it's like an endless runner in yeah. the fact that you can play for ages. You can. And to do better... You've got to play longer. And it's like, I don't want to play longer. I just want to have a You fix. can kind of play smarter. You've still got to play long. you still got to play long yeah. to get a good score. And I don't want that. But one of the other Tetris games you can buy, which is official, is Tetris Blitz. Mm-hmm. Blitz. Did I say that? Blitz. Yes. Blitz. Yes. So it's the highest score you can get in two minutes, which is perfect. Ah. I just want to quickly game a Tetris. Let's give it to me. And the problem is that it still is a time sink because it's like, I want more game. Yeah. I want more game. But then again, they've got challenges as well. Okay. So you've got daily challenges. You've got different things. So it's like get th- four lots of, you know, four lines in one go in 30 seconds or two minutes or something. Okay. So every day it's different challenges. Yeah. So it's good because it mixes it up a bit. It's not just playing the same thing again. So that was cool and it is cool. But there was an ad, and those ads never seem to work on me when you get an ad in the middle of a game that's a free game. But this one did. It was called Toy Blast, which was another sort of match three one where so you got a bunch of colours, and if you tap on one of them and there's more than four or more than three, they'll disappear. Yep. So it's one of those where you've got to eliminate a room or eliminate a, a board of colours. Yeah, and I think I've seen the ads for it and it looks a little bit like the setup of Pet Rescue, whereas unlike, that, say, Candy Crush where they move, it's just the, the colours and you have to clear the board to nothing? Well, not clear the board because they keep filling up again. Oh, okay. But you have, again, there's different challenges, different modes. Um, yeah. Some you've got to get toys to the bottom. Others you've got to get rid of 100 balloons or beach balls. Okay. 
Okay. So it, it, there's many varieties in there, but I've been playing about three weeks now, and I'm up to level like 300. It's not gotten harder. Okay. That's it's it's easy to keep going with this game. Yeah. Like I did like it because as you play, you have five five lives equivalent. If you die, you got to wait till you get one back and that sort of thing. But you can really get a lot of power ups just without paying any money. So you might get two hours of game if you get to a certain level. And because it's not that hard, you actually get through quite a bit and you achieve these two hour bonuses or sometimes twenty four hour bonuses. So I'll go to bed thinking, oh yeah, I'll just have a game or a couple, you know. Yeah, and it's like, why am I still playing? And then you have a look, and you got twenty two hours to go okay. uh, that you can play. So it, it's a real time sink, and it's it's easy. And sometimes you have to think, but most of the time you can sort of just get through without strategizing. Sometimes you have to think, all right, I'm not going to get here. There's not enough moves. I've got to do this, this, and this. But it's very rare. So it, it's given me my dopamine fix of achieving something really quickly, and the addictiveness of one more game. So it's not good in that way that I'm not getting things done. I am enjoying. But do we want to talk about why I got into this? Yeah, All right. let's go back. All right, so so Box Brown we've talked about a few times because yes. he wrote the Andre the Giant graphic novel that we talked about a few years back and he also wrote the Andy Kaufman biographical comic yep. that we talked a few months back. Yes. And he did another one because I like those two books. I thought, what else has he done? And he did a book called Tetris. And this is the history of Tetris, yeah. which is a lot more fascinating than I thought it was going the, to be. There is, yeah, there was things in that book that <coughs> that I read, and I thought, "Well, that can't be true." Yeah. But then I did a little bit of wikiing, and yeah, it's a very interesting tale about Alexei, some Russian name that I can't pronounce. Mm. It's just a dude that worked in a computer place in Russia and communist Russia, communist Russia. So everyone exactly. worked for the state. Yeah, and he made this little puzzle game based on. Pentominoes, they call them, which is the actual shapes of the Tetris. But it was an old wooden game, and the mm. whole idea was you had to fit them together in this little wooden tray and not leave any spaces so they all fit in. And then he decided that he would see if he could make a computer program to make those shapes, which then evolved into Tetris. Yep. And initially when he made it, he just had it as shareware on a disc and he gave it to the other people well, in the team. There was no such thing as shareware. It was sort of like well, he yeah. was working for a computer, some other department. And it was just something he did yep. for the hell of it. And then he sort of put it out there. And I, I don't, it got to a Helsinki Games Fair somehow. Yeah. It sort of got out. But, yeah, he, he shared it with his mates. Not like shareware. It was just like, oh, here's a game. Here's Do you a want game. To play we'll it? put it on a floppy. And the thing with the Tetris is it's fucking addictive. Yeah. It, it's And it is a dopamine thing. Your brain actually, when you clear a line, you feel so good. Exactly. You keep doing it. You know, yep. it's then, Yeah. So it sort of somehow got to this gaming, like, fair, you know, like, industry sort of fair. Yep. And this dude saw it and said, I need, I need this game. Like you sort of play it and everyone who's played Tetris goes, oh, it's addictive. You go, oh, this is awesome. I, I need it. And he goes, I need the distribution rights. Let's do it. And because it wasn't a commercial disc, it wasn't anything. It's, it's Russian. They weren't interested. There was no one there to sell it kind of thing. Yeah. He just sort of distributed it to a point. And it's a fascinating story that follows from that because people were getting the rights to it that didn't have it. People were distributing it and, you know, so Nintendo and Atari and all these bidding walls in there. Little, you know, I don't know how accurate the comic is. I'm assuming it's fairly accurate. And there's, there's just none the wiser to a lot of all this shit going on until later on. And if if it is true, like the way it all played together when people figured out that no one owns this, we need to go talk to the Russians. Yeah, It all happened on the same day with three different people 
arriving literally it, it, on the yeah, same exactly. day to chat. If that's true, this would make the most amazing it movie. It would make an amazing movie, wouldn't it? And yeah. it's yeah, it's a fascinating story. It really is good. I, I I recommend all of Box Brown's books. So it's Andre the Giant, Tetris, and the Andy Gavin one. Yeah. This Tetris one came out in 2016, so there's actually in between the Andre the Giant and the Andy Kaufman. Yep. He just has a very likable art style. Like, it's not realistic in any way, but it's informative and it's cl- it's clear. clever. Yeah. Clear. Mm. Yeah. It, it just tells a great story. And it made me, like, the thing that Andre did the same thing. It made me go to YouTube and watch Andre clips. The Andy Kaufman thing, I went straight to YouTube and mainlined all this Andy Kaufman stuff. So you went to YouTube and watched people play Tetris? No, I downloaded the fucking yeah. game and lost hours to it. I can remember back in the day when it was huge in the arcades. Really? I would, yeah. I don't remember it in the arcades. Was it, it was probably the early, actually, it was probably early to mid 90s. And it was in my going out drinking stages. Mm. I would go out, and then after we'd finished drinking, we'd normally go and get something to eat. And then we'd go and spend, you know, a little bit of money on the arcade while we were waiting to get our taxi home, sort of thing. And I can remember a couple of nights going out and spending just stupid amounts of money, like, you know, 20 or $30, just pumping money into these Tetris machines just to play Tetris and play Tetris and play Tetris. <laughs> and and then sort of Street Fighter came along and sort of took Tetris off the map, I guess. But there was a stage where Tetris was huge in the arcades. Because I don't – I used to go to arcades. I just don't remember seeing there. And when I did see it there a few times, very rarely, it was like, why would you play Tetris on an arcade? Because to me, I remember playing it on a mate's – I think it was on the school computers. So they would have been IBMs. Yeah. That's where I played it. And then the Game Boy hit. Yeah. And that's where – Well, exactly. The Game Boy was all blew it out of the water because it was the pack-in game for the original Game Boy. Yeah. And in the book, they, they do a very good job of just explaining that it made people want to buy Game Boys when they weren't gamers. So it was like grandparents would buy their their grandkids a Game Boy for Christmas and then they'd be like, you know, hey, Grandma, have a look at my game sort of thing. And then the grandparents would play the Game Boy after the kids went to bed and they'd end up going and buying their own. But, well, it was the original Wii. Yeah. In the fact that in the same way that it was like, yes, there is a gaming market that's established, but then all of a sudden there's extra people who don't normally buy it or you wouldn't expect buy it are buying one because, yeah, it's this one game that sort of, Sucked everyone in. Hmm. Yeah, so I recommend the comic and I recommend Tetris. It's still a damn good game. It is, considering how old it is. It's, it's still so simple. And exactly. That's what makes it good, the fact that it is simple. And it's interesting reading in that comic as well that Alexi, the guy that invented Tetris, never got a cent from Tetris, but yet it was a worldwide phenomenon about communist Russia. Russia. They, yeah. Exactly. They, they probably raked quite a lot of money in. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Early on, they didn't. A lot of people made money. I don't know who in the end. But well, yes. Yeah, if you believe the comic, there was people that were selling rights. Some person had the rights to arcades. Another person had computer rights, and then they sold it for home console rights. Uh, yeah, America kind of like, rights, Japanese rights. Yeah, and people none of them was, owned them. Yeah, people were selling the rights when they didn't have the rights themselves. Yep. Thing, and then it was discovered. It's just hard to believe that Russia was so out of the loop on this. But anyway. Maybe they weren't looking. Well, they probably were. I mm. don't know. Communist yeah. Russia was a very different place. I can recommend the comic mm. and Tetris the game. All right. Well, slightly gaming related and also book related, mm. we might jump into movies. Okay. Because I've watched a couple of movies in my extended time away from doing other things. And earlier on in the year when we did our Great Expectations, yes. I was very hyped for Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. And it came out in the cinemas in March. And by that stage, my hype had sort of dropped off a little but it's now been released on DVD 
and it was on Foxtel On Demand. So and I you decided, demanded it? I did. Said, I was like, let's watch that. And you'd lent me the book mm-hmm. and I tried reading the book and I have a very short attention span, so I ended up listening to the audio book, mm-hmm. which I recommend because Will Wheaton does yep. the narration. I very enjoyed good. the the audio book based yep. on your recommendation. But anyway, I still had the book floating around at home and my wife decided that she was going to read the book so we could watch the movie. Yeah. And she actually blitzed through it in like four days. It's a pretty simple book. Yeah. And she really liked the book. I was kind of worried because there is that twist at the end and I wasn't sure how she would like the twist. Mm. I won't spoil it for anyone that hasn't read it or watched the movie. But we were all keen. She finished the book. We were like, yep, the weekend's coming up. Friday night. Let's sit down and watch this Ready Player One on Foxtel. We got probably about halfway into the movie and she was like, fuck this movie, I'm not watching it. I decided that I would stick with it because I was so hyped for it, but it really didn't live up to the hype. There was just so many things they changed in the movie. And for a movie that is purely based on the idea of video games, they spend far too much time in the real world, for one thing. But the time they do spend in the in the video game, the graphics in the movie, I don't know if they intentionally sort of dulled it down a little bit to make it look like you were playing a virtual idea reality is that you're game. In. But the, the CG in the movie I didn't really like. The, the fact that the book itself is just filled with 80s references and they kind of didn't explain why they had the 80s references in the movies I was a bit disappointed with. Well, that's the thing with the book... I mean, the story in the Ready Player One is there's a world-encompassing game. Like, the, the world's okay, but it's sort of gone to shit. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. There's, there's poverty and all that sort of stuff. But there's a thing called the Oasis where everyone logs in and you have your second life on there. And you can create your avatar and you look this way. And it, it's taken over the world. Everyone's yeah. attached to this thing. The guy who created it is like, you know, a Zuckerberg or a Bill Gatesy sort of person. Yeah. And he dies. And he he said there's a Easter egg in the middle here, there's a prize. If you can figure it out, you get the oasis. You, you get control. Mm-hmm. So there's people devoted to figuring it out. Yep. There's corporations devoted to figuring it out. And this follows one character who's sort of like one of these guys who wants to get to the middle of it. So these people are experts on this creator guy. And you sort of, through the book, you sort of get the inner narration of him saying, oh, I studied this. This is what was one of his favourite bands, so I've studied all the lyrics. And, and, and you get the scope that this is, take, this is his years. He was at high school when he started, but, yeah, in every waking moment that he's not at school, even when he's at school, he researches this to try and figure out. So this guy was a tabletop gamer, so he'd... He, he, he knew everything about the tabletop games that were his favourites. Exactly. All the movies that he loved, he knew word for word. Yep. All the songs, all these sort of things. So you get the scope and that. Now, I haven't seen the film, but what I've heard is you don't get that gist that the research has been done. No, there's just it's not as in-depth as the book. And the only other thing is it's not that hard. No. Like it's not a clever book. Like the idea is kind of fun, but it's not hard. They've spent years figuring out this thing and no one's got close to figuring it out. Yep. Yet it's not hard. No. Like, like it would take a, you know, someone with Google in about three weeks to exactly. do it nowadays, let alone in the future with all that knowledge. Yep. So it's, 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 it's fun, but it's not as clever as I think the writer would. I, I don't think he even tried it to be super clever either. It's just it's Easter egg, the, the book. Like it's all just these. These are things I like, and I'm a forty year old white guy, and these are all the things I liked when I was a teen. And guess what? I love that as a book because so am so I. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, how that was going to translate to a film, I don't know. And the fact that I heard they didn't really establish the fact that these people spent years yeah. devoted to researching this guy, and the total wrong guy made it. 
as far as I can tell. Yeah, so Steven Spielberg made it. Obviously, he can throw his weight around and get a lot of rights, but they didn't get the rights to a couple of the major plot points of the movie. There's a whole couple of chapters that are dedicated to the band Rush, but there's no mention of Rush at all in the movie. There's also a few changes where they had to reenact a scene from (coughs) War Games, the Matthew Broderick movie. Would you like to play a game? But they haven't got that in the movie. They've changed it for The Shining. But okay. again, there's no real reason to why they've changed it from a nerdy movie to a horror movie. Mm. So, yeah, and there's just a few things. they Like they meet up in the real world a bit earlier than they should and the girl that they've got to play the female character is nothing like how she should be in the book. Mm. And it, it was a little bit of a, a takeaway from the book and it made me not like the movie. Okay. And as much as I, I hate to say it, T.J. Miller plays one of the characters in the movie and the character that he plays in the book is like a throwaway character, but they give him a lot more in the movie. But you don't actually see him, do you? No, he's an avatar. Because I heard that maybe they, because of his issues, they yes. may have taken his character out a bit. Oh, no, he's he's in it in a major way and you can definitely tell that it is T.J. Miller because his you, voice is... You love him. Well, I used to, but mm. he's kind of gone off the rails and made a bit of a dick of himself. Yeah. Not in a Kevin Spacey make a dick of yourself kind of way. They're calling him bomb threats in there. Well, yeah, making a bomb threat on a train and getting arrested, which is a federal crime in the States. But yeah. Mm. But anyway, I was a little bit underwhelmed with the movie and generally disappointed in the fact that this was the movie I was looking forward to the most this year. And okay. I've been let down. Well, yeah, I was a bit worried because the thing is about Ready Play One, it's all about nostalgia. Now, the problem is Steven Spielberg directed it. He is our nostalgia. Yeah. So he's not the guy to – he can't tap into that. Because the thing – we've talked about the Transformers movie and as much as there's so many things wrong with them, the, the first one sort of had a bit of heart because Spielberg actually got that because yep, he made exactly. it feel like – it's special bond with a car. That's what he does. He does feelings really well. But Michael Bay has no connection to people whatsoever. Like, it's d- very distant. Where this is, you can't look nostalgically at the 80s because you created the 80s yeah. as far as this goes. So you can't look back going, yeah, I remember that feeling I had. It really should have been a young director who was inspired by, like a J.J. Abrams would have been perfect because he already did Super 8 and that was his tribute to Spielberg. So yep. it's like, you are the guy to make this movie, which is essentially a tribute to Spielberg and Lucas and all those people. So, it, yeah, when I looked at that, I was like, it's a bit weird. And it looked like there was sort of like a race sequence in there because it's not an action film. No, it's they, not an action book. turned it into an action It's film. not an action book. Mm. And, yeah, so I, I know why they had to because yeah. you're spending that much money on a movie. You yeah. need to make it exciting because a bunch of people typing or like going through a virtual world, working out clues from Rush lyrics and, you know. Exactly. It's not an exciting movie, but it would have been an expensive one. Yeah. So I, I do plan on watching it at some point, just for all the Easter eggs, for everything that's in there. But, yeah, I'm not really excited to see it. Mm. And the I'm other thing that rush. really pissed me off is one of the people builds an Iron Giant <gasps> and there's a big battle scene at the end of the movie and the Iron Giant comes through and, you know, fucks everyone up with his massive lasers. And I've stuff. heard a few people say that. Have you watched The Iron Giant? He's got big fuck-off lasers. He does. He does. He's also very much a anti-violence, anti-war. That sort of version character. of it in yeah. that movie. Okay. This is an avatar working a Iron Giant war machine, which obviously is what it is because that's what it was in the movie. Just because he got bumped on the head, he became a pacifist. Yeah. So okay. I, and it's not the Iron Giant. You're not watching the Iron Giant. You're watching an Avatar pilot a battle bot. It's not the Iron Giant. It's right. okay. I'll, I'll let that go then. Mm. Mm. Yes. Another movie that I watched based on a book, and I haven't the Bible. read. Bible. Yeah. Mm. 
With Charlton Heston? Yes. Probably. I don't know. It's not that time of year, is it? Don't they normally rock that out at Easter? Pretty much. Anyway, not the Bible, but equally a work of fiction. I have uh, have not read A Wrinkle in Time, but the movie of that has just been released fairly recently and again on Foxtel. And I'd heard kind of good things about it. I knew nothing about it other than the fact that Oprah was in it. So I thought... All right, let's give this a go. The colour purple. Yeah. Hmm. But I was kind of digging it up until about two-thirds of the way through. Yeah. And then they turned one of the characters and I just, Into a vampire? No, they oh. turned him from being a good guy to a bad guy. Oh, healed out. He did. Heel turn. A massive heel turn. Oh. Michael Peña was in it and he was the catalyst to make this, this young kid turn into a did heel. Did he get his ass licked? That's the new standard. <laughs> no, that's only in chips. But once the kid turned, I was, fuck this movie, I don't want to watch it anymore. So I didn't actually watch the finish because it annoyed me so much that, much? that I didn't go back and watch the Wow. End. I did like the look of the movie. It's very colourful mm. and it's well acted, I guess, at the start. The, the kids that are in it are not annoying, snotty kids. They're quite well acted. Yep. One of the kids has got a weird name and they call him by his full name all the time, which is kind of weird. I can't remember what it was now, but it's like... A surname, first name, and they keep saying it every time they call his name. Okay, but yeah, but yeah, I, I'd recommend the first half, but then. I but you can't recommend the ending because you didn't. Well, make I didn't it. watch the ending, so okay. yeah. But it's like a madness song. Just couldn't get to that. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but not because I was just enjoying myself too much and I got too tired. I just the exact opposite. I wasn't enjoying it, and I got to the point where I was like, "Fuck this movie." No, well, we are not enjoying it enough to go. Anything will stop me from making this, or this heel turn was that bad. There you go, fuck this movie, I'm out. It probably was just a, a complete fuck this movie, I'm out. <laughs> I, I don't even know what got me so bad. So that, that means you were totally invested in the film. I was. If I he was, was so, that's that's good. I was really enjoying it. It was a good family movie and then all of a sudden it was just like a punch in the balls and I was like, <laughs> I'm out of this movie. So I don't know why I was so invested, but I was and then I wasn't. So, yeah. But equally, speaking of my last movie that I'm going to shit all over, mm-hmm. But probably in a good way, <laughs> if that's possible. No. <laughs> show me. Show me. I'm, I'm well, intrigued. They kind of squat over their chest. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I watched a Liam Neeson movie called The Commuter. Okay. Because I'm a fan of the Liam Neeson modern action. Liam Neeson so, is a computer. No. no, The Commuter. Oh, okay. And in this movie, he is a retired policeman. Retired? Who, yes, retired. Retired. Okay. No, retired. Okay who is working in insurance and gets laid off. Has he got a particular set of skills? I think he does. Okay. And that was what I was hoping for. I was oh. hoping for like a taken, taken on a train. Or the taken that's on the plane, which I can't even remember what that one's called, but yeah. non-stop or something, is it? Something like that. Yeah. But they're sort of stretching the premise okay. a little bit, but this is even worse. Oh. So he is a retired policeman who loses his job in insurance that he's had for 10 years. They never really explain why he left the police force and went into this insurance business. Mm. They kind of explain that he is struggling for money. He's got a teenage son who's about to start college. He needs money. He doesn't want to tell his wife that he's been laid off. And then on the train on the way home, because he lives in like upstate New York and travels by commuter train into Manhattan every day, he is met by this woman he doesn't know who propositions him to find someone on the train that's not normally on the train and identify that person and we'll give you 10 grand. Mm-hmm. Or is it 100 grand? No, it's, I think it's 100 grand. So nice. it's it's quite a large sum of money. Yes. But as stupid as that premise sounds, that's not really the stupidest part of the movie. It's okay. the fact that he's kind of friends with a few people on the train and as the train gets further out of the city 
obviously people are getting off the train and he's whittling down his possible suspects. And just it just goes completely downhill after that. It's just so unbelievable. The fact that he is this 60-year-old man going around beating people up on the train for no apparent reason just to try and find this mystery character who we find out is actually a FBI witness who they want him to take out before she gets a chance to give her witness statement to the FBI. It's just crazily stupid and not even like a good action movie. A lot of the action scenes that are in it, you look at and go, well, that just wouldn't happen in real life. Okay. And yeah, it's... So don't bother. I would say it's probably a good movie if you go into it very open-minded with the idea that, yes, I am going to watch an absolutely shitful movie, but laughably shitful, if that makes sense. Because, I mean, there's good bad films and bad bad films. Well, this is... It's not. Is there enough entertainment in the badness, or is it just oh, nothing? If, if it sounds realize, nothing. If you realise that it is shit, and you embrace its shitness, you probably would enjoy it. But I would say do not watch it by yourself. Get a group of mates together. Okay. Take the piss out of it while you're watching it. Mm. There, there's a few good actors in it, like the guy that plays Mike from Breaking Bad yep. is in it, and pretty much anything he's in is worth watching, because he's a great actor. Yeah. But the rest of it, I, I wouldn't recommend as far as quality acting or quality stunts or quality action, mm. but it is fun to just sit there. And, yeah, you've seen anything good? Oh, actually, I watched a doco. So maybe before I <laughs> before I jump into my doco, maybe we can talk about your cinema because right. you, you have actually had a trip to the cinema. Um, twice. Yeah. Twice. I went and saw Skyscraper, and that is the stupidest fucking film I've seen in a long time. <laughs> See, maybe I should watch Skyscraper and then we can uh, compare that to Commuter. It's just fucking stupid. Die Hard was over 20 years ago, and it, just remake it if you're going to do it. It's stupid. Just some of the things, the, the conceit they did or the concepts they pushed it to go, we're not Die Hard, we're going to do this, this, and this. It's like, it's just stupid. Like, I was with a friend who was just walking back to the car going, that was stupid. I don't know how many times I said it. Mm. And she said it. It was just, yeah, it was it was fun, but it was just like, what? Stupid. So, yeah, that, that was my take on that one. I saw Mission Impossible Fallout which is the last, latest in the uh, Mission Impossible series. Is it with, six? I think so. Yeah. With Henry Cavill in his moustache. And he reloads his arms when he punches. It's fucking cool. And, um, yeah, I love the Mission Impossible films. The last few have been great. I, I actually look forward to them. I haven't seen the last Bond film, but I will go and see the Mission Impossible films. I really dig them. So, yeah, that was really good and intense. So, yeah, Skyscraper, yeah. Uh, Mission Impossible, cool. Um, I finally saw Pixels after you and Chris Fresh and a few other people have said, it's not bad. So I put it on one day because I just wanted something dumb. I didn't want to think and comedies and just there's not a lot of stuff to watch at the moment. Like looking through the um, Netflixes and Amazon Primes and things like that, I'm looking at comedies to just a, a lighthearted, fun thing to watch. And you sort of need superhero movies to get there with the comedy and the action and a bit of fun yep. where – I, there's no out-and-out comedies I want to watch at the moment. No, I don't think so. So I thought I'd watch Pixels, and it's like, good. Like, I enjoyed it. I just wish it was not Adam Sandler. Mm. I wish it was a Ben Stiller or someone else. Like, yep. just take it away. Like, if it was the Ghostbusters guys, you know, like the equivalent of, like a Bill Murray equivalent instead of an Adam Sandler, it would be a new, a totally different film. It just felt like an Adam Sandler film. And yeah. Kevin James. It's like, take them out and... Substitute with just different actors who are a bit more low key or something. Yeah. And it could have been awesome. 
I think they did have to kind of keep with that age group, though, so they could relate it to being video games from the age. Yeah, no, I get that, but equivalent. I don't mean yeah. Bill Murray, but an equivalent of Bill Murray, you know? Yeah. A funny, seriousy sort of actor. Been on the edge. It just felt like Adam Sandler's every role Adam Sandler plays. Yeah. And Kevin James. It just felt yeah. that. But no, I, I, it was kind of cool. But yeah, so that, that was cool. And I also finally, and it's stupid that I haven't watched it till now, the Lego Batman movie. And when I say I watched it, I haven't actually finished it yet. Okay. My son was like, it's a long movie. Can we watch the rest later? I was like, yeah, okay. But, but I'm, I'm not fuck, sure if it's I good. mentioned it on the podcast when I watched it. I watched it by myself when I first saw it and I didn't get a lot out of it. But then I watched it again when I watched it with my kids and- just listening to them laugh at certain scenes in the movie made me enjoy it a bit more. I just fucking, I dug it. Absolutely so clever. Yeah. And being a Batman fan, it's funny because I've established that I'm a Superman fan here. Yeah. But the thing with Superman is Christopher Reeves, my Superman, but we've had George Reeves, we've had Brandon Routh, we've had Henry Cavill, we've got the animated versions and things like that. You forgot to mention Dean Cain. I did forget to mention Dean Cain because I actually have not watched an episode of Lois and Clark. Really? I just... Never got around to it. Okay. So there's many versions of Superman, but they're all kind of the same Superman. Like yeah. there's no real <coughs> variation of the character. You know, yeah. he's pretty much the big blue boy scout. You know, where I I'll shit on Batman just because I'm a Superman fan and I just don't like Batman fans because they're dicks generally. Because oh, Batman would beat Galactus if you had enough time for planning. You know, they're just there's wankers out there who do exactly, that. and they'll just think that the Nolan Batman movies are the cock on the walk, and they're good. But there's flawed, but you've got to be able to see that. But Batman, the variations of Batman is really cool. Like, I grew up on the um, Adam West Batman. He yeah, is my Batman. Exactly. So I'm used to a lighthearted kind of quirky one. Campy comedy Batman. Yeah, and when they brought out the Michael Keaton Batman, I was like, oh, yeah, he's the dark Batman. This is, I was, you know, 16. Yeah. So, of course, I'd love that, you know, because it was the oh, mature, darker edge Batman. No, you look back now, it's pretty hokey. Not as hokey as the Shoemaker Batmans, but still, it's still pretty, you know, cartoony in that way. And the Nolans are great too, but they're so also very different. Yep. And the Batman anime series is fantastic. And Lego Batman is another version where he's great as a character and all this sort of stuff. It's like Batman has been interpreted so many different ways that there are different takes, where Superman is sort of a bit samey. There's not the wacky, zany Superman and there's yeah. not the super dark Superman really in that sort of way as far as pop culture goes. Yeah, if you're watching this gun, they've really nailed the Batman that I love in the fact that I love that it's quirky. And with the Shazam movie that's coming out, they've and as much as I don't want to, I didn't want to see the movie big, the Tom Hanks movie big but with superpowers, which is what they turned looking at the trailer, that's what the Shazam movie's going to be. Of course that's what it's going to be. That's the movie that's going to make money. Like, there's plenty of comics out there, different iterations of Shazam. The one I wanted to see was probably not going to be an efficient one that's going to make money. So that's the movie that's going to be, and that's fine. And then I realized it's a bit kiddie, and a few people got into it, and I've heard other people say it was the favorite trailer out of Comic-Con for them because it was like, oh, that looks like fun. Yeah, it looks like which fun. Which is good. Mm. <laughs> but the thing is, why do I like Shazam? Because when I grew up, I watched the Shazam cartoon, the Shazam TV show, which is exactly that. I yeah. mean, and the difference is the in the in the live action TV show it was terrible. It was um, Lou Scheimer, I think. It was one of their production. Okay, so it was cheap as. But when he turned into Shazam character, he wasn't the man child. He was Shazam. It was a boy who became the man, and he acted like a man. He wasn't like, oh my god, I'm a little kid in a big guy's body. But I still dug it, and that's you know, it was a little kid. You go, I can become this big guy. You know, just a magic word. I can become this guy. And with the cartoon, I grew up watching kids shows about this character. 
So this will be great if you've got a movie where it's sort of like it's not the mature take. It's the This is going to be aimed at kids. So there's going to be a generation of kids coming through, hopefully because it's a good film and they like it. They're going to grow up going, I love Shazam. He's my favourite superhero because there's no point, you know, point of reference for anything else. I dig Shazam and we're going to get Shazam merchandise out the wazoo and we're going to get new comics here and we're getting new takes. And in 15 years' time, we're going to get another a mature take on Shazam or a different version yep. or cartoons in the next few years. So it's like, cool, bring it on. So I'm actually happy about that. Well, and I think that's what they need because other than the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse that's coming out later this year, yeah, most of the superhero movies are very adult-based now. There's no yep. real like kids Joy. superhero movies. Joy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Avengers gives you that. I mean, the last Avengers film was a bit down in the but it's, it's a bit it's heavy. The sort of thing but that you Thor Ragnarok was pretty... Yeah. That was the well, joy. That's the yeah. joy you want. And the Guardians gives you that. Yeah. Because Star Wars isn't giving you that no. anymore. But again, they're not really for kids, though. They you should need, be. You need something that is And that's for why kids. George Lucas got shit for making the Phantom Menace and those sort of things. But they're kids who love that. Yeah. It was like, that's who we made it for. 12-year-olds, not for us. No. We demanded something out of him that he didn't give us, and we all shit on him for it. But yes, yeah, so. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, that was cool. So, watching Lego Batman movie, that got me on a rant. Didn't mean that. All right. So let's let's move on from that. All right. So we'll, we'll talk a, a little bit about TV, I guess. Something I did watch that is a documentary, but I watched it on Netflix, and that's the latest Masters of the Universe documentary called The Power of Grayskull. And again, I watched this based on a recommendation from your Geek Dudes co-host, Chris Fresh. Yep. He put out on Twitter that he'd watched it. And I think in the episode, he said he couldn't watch it on local Netflix. No, no, he, he couldn't find it, but he, it turned out his son had actually logged him out of his Netflix and he was in the kids section. Ah, so that's he probably right. But it. yeah, it is in the Australian Netflix because I watched it mm-hmm. legally on Netflix and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I've seen The Toys That Made Us. They yep. did an episode and this is a more serious take where that... That was a bit tongue-in, not tongue-in-cheek, but they sort of had a poke at all the creators and it's a bit of a wacky, the guys behind it, and there's some infighting on who created what and all this sort yep. of stuff, where this is a bit more on the serious side. It is a bit more serious, and it's a bit more, rather than just being about the toys, it sort of starts off about the toys, and then they talk about how they made the cartoon because the toys needed something to help themselves. Mm. So it, it's kind of broken up into three or four sections. So the first part's all about the toys, how they designed them, how they came up with the idea, yep. the whole Mattel saying no to Star, Star Wars. Wars and then mm. feeling like they needed something to fill that hole. But they all then have footage of Lou Schreimer and Filmation and they talk about how the cartoon came about. They talk about how Shearer was the spin-off from He-Man because they needed something that girls would like as well. Yep. They then talk about how sales were falling and they decided that they needed to make the movie to try and spike the toy sales. Mm. And there's interviews with Dolph Lundgren talking about what it was like to play He-Man. Oh, wow. And it's quite interesting because he sort of says, look, in the 80s there wasn't many toy or comic movies. Yeah. And having that role... To tie into a property. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like now with, say, Robert Downey Jr. as mm. ba- as Iron Man, the fact that that's catapulted his career yes. and now everyone wants to be in a superhero movie. Yeah. Back then it was kind of like when no one wanted you're to be in a toy. It, yeah. yeah, you're slumming it. And this was like his third major role. Mm. And this is what he's famous for now, sort of thing. But it's also interesting because they talk about how the movie was quite violent compared to the cartoon. Mm. Because the cartoon He-Man never hurts anyone. It's always, he's sort of just, you know, thwarting the villains by using his cunning. Mm. Whereas in the movie, Dolph was wandering around almost killing people, I guess. Mm. So that was interesting. And then from there, they talk to a couple of the designers from the Four Horsemen. 
Yep. And they talk about how they brought back the current toys. current and the Mattel classics and all that sort of stuff, and they brought He-Man back into the forefront again. Cool. So, yeah, I really recommend it. I was a massive He-Man fan as a kid. Well, if you go back, they had toys, like before the cartoon. Yeah. There's a dude with a sword, the main guy's a big barbarian with a sword. Yeah. Versus a dude with a skull for a face and a... And a and a staff with a... Oh, he had a sword off. and an axe, didn't yep. he? The original he toy. Did, yeah. So he had this sword, them, you know, and they, they went to come together. So they had an idea of a storyline in the toys from yep. memory. And I'm going on more of the toys that made us. I haven't seen yep. the doco yet. It's, it's all violence. Like, yeah. we're talking barbarians. We're talking Conan, essentially. Yeah, exactly. You're looking at that. And they turn it into this kid's show about morals. Like yeah. you said, he's got a sword, but he never actually hits anyone with it. He deflects things, you know, if anything. And punches the screen. <laughs> yeah, and it's such a bizarre concept that they turned barbarians yep. into a moral play, hmm. essentially, and it was successful. And it was awesome. Like, you go back, and I mean, go back to the Christmas episode if you hear my opinion on Orko, but apart from that, I dug those cartoons and I dug, I dug the toys. They were beefy. They were great and everything. They like, were well designed. And yeah, because they had the comics originally. They they put yep. the comics in with the toys, and they were totally different. The cartoon, yeah, like they were, they were more violent, more yep. ma- not mature, but yeah. They were and like, in the original set of, like, I think, six original figures, they weren't really comics. They were just like a drawing with words underneath. And it wasn't until later season series of the figures that they actually turned into like comic type comics with speech bubbles. And yeah, because I remember I got trapped. It was my first, and I think Mark takes an error. Text era. He's a Marvel comic creator. He was he was one of his first gigs yeah, doing the Marvel. Exactly. Yeah, it was such a bizarre concept. Same with Transformers. It's like yep. yeah, the, the, the concept is a civil war, yep. and you know you're choosing one side because we tell you they're the good guys. <laughs> you know, it's interesting though because they did talk to talk about Shearer a little bit in mm. the in the movie, and my kids were watching it with me when I was watching it, and then afterwards when it finished, I was like, oh, have you? watched any Shearer because I know they've watched a little bit of He-Man yeah. but they've got all of Shearer on Netflix as well leading up to the, the new, new Shearer that's going to start yep. so I was like well how about we just watch an episode of Shearer yeah. and since we watched the movie last weekend we've now watched probably a third of the Shearer cartoon series because mm. my kids have decided they don't want to watch Pokemon anymore they just want to watch Shearer excellent and they will sit there in fits of laughter so I don't know what's different about 80s cartoons to now bow. Is it yeah, bow? it is bow it's a bit gay a bit gay. But, yeah. And I was saying to my wife tonight when we were watching it, I don't know if the cartoon was for girls or whether it was for boys because the girls are all wearing very skimpy costumes. No, it was probably designed by guys. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. definitely designed by guys. But I think it was that male gaze of oh, yeah. what they wanted, but oh, they yeah. tried to make it well, empowering to women. But, yeah. Well, that's a funny thing because, like, when they – like I said, Netflix is bringing out a new series of Shira. And they brought out designs for it. And she's there and she doesn't have the cleavage. She looks a bit younger, if anything. And she's wearing bike shorts. And it's sort of like, and people crack the shits. That's not my Shira. And it's like, and I saw a great Twitter response. It's like, in 1986, when Shira came out, it was like, oh, this is just T-Man for girls. 1987, dot, dot, dot. 1988, dot, dot, dot. No one gave a shit until 2018. It's like, oh, what's this? That's not my Shearer. It's like, it was no one Shearer. It's sort of like, no one cared. Why do you care now? It's sort of like, it's just ridiculous that, I don't know who's entitled enough to have an opinion to say, this Shearer's wrong. It's like, you've got your old Shearer if you cared about it before today, but now that someone's actually gone and done something new and different, you've cracked the shits. Yeah. It's like, I don't know who these people are, but there was enough of them out there to make a voice. And it's just, shut up. Yeah. Just don't watch it. It's not for you. You're a... 
40-year-old man, it's not for you. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go watch it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, but it's not for me. No, and no, I, I really totally respect it. that. Yeah. It's just oh, mm. so ridiculous. But, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to something different and mm. new. Yeah, I'll, I'll check out that doco. It's, it's looks Yeah, cool. I recommend it. Cool. And, yeah, I've done a little bit more binging of Netflix, but, again, it's just stuff that we have talked about before. Yep. I finished the second season of Nailed It and – Probably didn't quite How get into it as much it? as the first season. I went in under your recommendation. Whatever. You really didn't like the host there, did you? But I really liked the host. I didn't like the whole show. Yeah. It, there is one really good little episode at the end where they do a crossover with Queer Eye. I saw that and one And they too. get the Queer Eye guys to cook cupcakes, mm. except for Anthony, because obviously he can't cook. <laughs> so they get him to be the judge. But yeah, I, I think the second season Queer Eye wasn't quite as good as the first season. It was interesting. Like I was watching it going, I'm not into this season. I really wasn't feeling it. Like, the first one was fun. You're watching them go in. You know, they'll pick shit through the guy's clothes and lifestyle, and they'll fix it. They'll all have a hug. But I was noticing in the first season, early on, I think it was Karamo had a moment all of with the character. But, yeah, and then by the end of it, they're all f- trying to get a moment. They're trying to force that moment, saying, oh, I'm going to spend some time with him. And they're trying to nut down and have a moment. And it just felt really forced that they were, look- they were all competing. Yeah. To have that, yeah. So the first, deep and meaningful. The first season of the reboot we gushed over. Yes, and I think I binged that over a few oh, days. Fuck yeah. This second season, there was no real emotion to it. No, it seemed a lot more forced. Yeah. Like the first episode, it was like okay, because it was they were making over an old lady's house who's from the town of Gay. So they went to Gay because it was funny because they're going to a town of Gay in Atlanta, and it was a town of like eighty people or something stupid. Yeah, and. Her son, who was gay, was coming home to live again. To gay. To come back to gay. So her gay son from gay, who was gay, <laughs> was coming back to gay. Yeah. And um, and it just felt like, not moralistic, it was more just like, where's the queer eye makeover bit yeah. that I was used to? That that seems to have gone. And it was sort of like, okay, whatever. And they were trying to push the emotion thing, but I wasn't buying in. No. It's like, this isn't, I'm not. Because I, I cried admittedly a few times. The first episode, I was born like a dickhead um, in the first episode of season one. Where this one, no, I, I can see what you're trying to do, but it's not working. Yep. And they were all really forcing to have that moment in each episode. And I'm watching going, I don't understand the show anymore. It used to be about a makeover. Now it's all about the person. Yeah. You know, it's all about the person, not the makeover. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it wasn't till there's an episode where they were making over a – uh, was a post-op transsexual. Yep. He was born a girl, born female, and had the operation to become male. And they made a, him over. And it was, I got halfway through and it was just a heavy episode. Like, there was no fun. They didn't let themselves go like they normally would when they pick shit through people. Because yep. it was sort of like, they were like a bit hesitant. And I, it took me a while. I, I ended up stopping halfway through for whatever reason. I had to go and do something. So it took me a while to get back and finish it. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe this season, maybe I'm done with this show. Maybe it was – I, I overdid it because I watched all maybe, those old yeah. old episodes and that when we talked about it. And I thought, yeah. And then I, I, I sort of was thinking about it. And then I did finish the episode eventually. And it was a good conversation between Tan and, and him. Yeah. And it was interesting for them because he's saying this is all new to me. I've never had to think about it. I should have, but I haven't. You exactly, know, I live in my little gay world yeah. where I'm all about my rights and I think about the things I have to go through. I never think about other people's who have it different to me. Yeah, exactly. And I like, yeah, okay. Because, yeah, the transsexuals obviously have a different set of prejudice against them than the gays did. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh, yeah. okay. I mean, this is important. Like it's not entertaining, but it's important. So I, I understand. 
is it what I signed on for? Probably not. But and when I see the show, because it used to be Queer Eye for Straight Guy. Now, if you look at the branding, it's actually it's just, Queer Eye yeah, more right. than just a makeover. Yeah. So they're actually they've changed the show. It's not what it was. And that first season got everyone in. And it's sort of like I think the first original series back in the nineties, it was all about acceptance. Yeah, it's like we're gay in this world, and it's fine. And going back and watching old ones again, apart from Carson, they weren't over the top. No. They were sort of like, they could be just anyone. They just happen to be gay and here they are cooking you a meal or doing whatever. Where they're a lot more overt this season, you know. Yeah. You know, which is great. They don't have to be sort of, we're, we're like you. Now we're sort of like, oh no. So the first one was all about awareness. This this series, I think, is all about acceptance. It's like, yeah, we're gay. We're not trying to blend in. We're not trying to be just like you. We are what we are, and you're going to accept that. Yeah. And that's what I think they're trying to push more, which is not a bad thing. It just doesn't make for as an entertaining show this season than it was last season. Mm. So, yeah, but I still finished it all, and I'll watch next season. I ended up. I started listening to um. Jonathan's podcast, which is like getting serious with Jonathan, and it's just him totally, totally gorge, which he says way too often. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just him being intrigued about a subject each episode, and I'll get an expert in and talk to him for a half hour, and it's kind of cool, but also kind of dismissive sometimes when he's talking about some very serious subjects. But it's like you don't know what you're talking about here, and you're asking some very in, not insensitive questions. It's like probably should have framed that a little bit differently. But he's he's just so likable. Yeah. He is, isn't he? Yes. At that first episode of that first season, I was like, oh, I don't like this guy. But mm. then by the end of it, I was like, yeah, I really like this guy. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. And well, I've been, you know, a few things on TV that I've been watching as well. Um, nothing major. But the one major thing, the one, is Castle Rock, which mm. I think we talked about in my great expectations. Did I, I not? I think we did. And I think we may have even talked about it last year when it kind of got teased. Yeah, I think so. So give us a rundown of what All right, Castle so Rock Castle is. Castle Rock, if you don't Castle know. Rock or Castle Rock? Oh, I say castle because there's no say? fucking R in it. What do they say in the show? I don't know. Uh, look it up. But there's no fucking R in there, so it's castle. So it's castle ock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, if you don't know anything about Stephen King. Didn't he play for Geelong? Sure. No. <laughs> Stephen King, the author, the the the... Oh, the very famous author, I suppose. Yes. I was going to say horror, but he sort of writes in other genres as well, but mainly horror. He sets most, if not all, of his stories in Maine, and some stories are set in Castle Rock, which is, you know, so there's a, a sort of shared universe. And he did a story, he did a, a bunch of stories called The Dark Tower, which I've not read. I've not. I've only read a couple of Stephen King stories, but I have seen a lot of the movies, and I am aware of what he's done. Now, Dark Tower is sort of a fantasy, big, sprawling fantasy story that he's been telling over the last 25, 30 years. Or yep. 40, I think. I think the first book came oh, out. I don't know. I, I remember reading the first one. Yeah, so it, it's a long time, and they're sort of all sort of connected, but he links things together. So Cujo was sort of linked to some other thing and this and that. And what J.J. Abrams has his production company has done is... Is done a show called Castle Rock, which is set in the town of Castle Rock with a shared Stephen King universe sort of motif going on. Mm. So Sheriff Panghorn is in it, which okay. is yep. played by Scott Glenn, and he's from Needful Things and a few others. Like he's a character that's been in a few. Yeah, I definitely remember the name from some of the Stephen Kings that I've read. Yep. So he's played by Scott Glenn. He's great in that. Sissy Spacek plays a character in it, but she was obviously Carrie in 
the original, um, the original Carrie movie. So not connected, but the fact that it's a alumni for Stephen King, sort of kind of cool. You know, there's references to things here and there. The first few episodes, a lot of it's set in Shawshank Prison from you know, Richard the Richmond Bachman books with yep. the Shawshank Redemption and that sort of thing. And it's just a really good story that happens to take place in all these places that are familiar if you're aware of the Stephen King thing. You don't have to be. It's one of the writers on the show is Mark Bernardin, who Kevin Smith co-hosts Fat Man on Batman with. And he used to be a writer for E! Entertainment News or one of those sort of entertainment sort of Hollywood variety or any of those. And whenever Kevin talks to him and asks him my dear on how would you cast this or how would you tell this story, he's just awesome. Like, he's just his take on it. He's like, that is spot on. Make that movie. Don't make the one we just saw. Take Mark's thing. So he's one of the writers on this. So I was sort of excited about this because I heard him talk about it ages ago. Yeah. So I've sort of been following it anyway, and I was interested because of it. And it's not over the top. Like, I thought Christina would be driving past. Cujo would be over there. Someone's starting fires over here. It's not like that at all. There's a character called The Kid. He doesn't have a name. You don't really know what or who or what he is and that's played by the guy who played Pennywise in the latest It movie so people are going is it related is it connected we just don't know so there's a lot of things to speculate about and it's just damn good the acting's phenomenal the storyline's really tight and you don't know what's going on my wife and I are watching and we can't wait like the latest episode dropped tonight and I'm not watching because I'm recording now so I've got to have to wait so I've got to stay off social media for a day in case someone says anything but um, it's just really good but Mark Bernard and he, he tweeted out last or two weeks ago that, oh, the episode I I wrote is coming up this week. You know, really proud of it kind of thing. And I actually tweeted back to him saying, loving the show. It's giving me that Twin Peaks vibe that I've been missing because I love Twin Peaks last year. And there's not even close. No shows are even close to Twin Peaks yeah. for what they offered and how they did it. And this isn't the same as Twin Peaks as far as the randomness of it all. It's all very deliberate in yep. this. And it was, it was a really good thriller and you're sort of like, what's going to happen next? I just don't know. It's sort of like, ooh, what's that mean? What's that mean? There's just a lot of stuff there. And because it is that Stephen King shared universe, it's like, is that a reference to something or is it just for the hell of it or is it actually important to the plot? So there's a lot of things to levels and yep. you're going, is it important? Should I care? As opposed to something like Breaking Bad, which was just damn good. Yeah, you know, this is sort of like that could mean something, but it could not. So it's really cool that way watching it. Do you but, think it's something that you would have to watch all of it and then go back and once you know some of the things, you can then? Pick I'm up definitely where it was? keen to go back and watch again. Hmm. Like I, I want to rewatch. It's only ten episodes, okay. and they've got a season two, and it's going to be an anthology show. So I talked to you about because you love American Horror Story, yep. and it sort of reminded me of that. Now that maybe I might go check that out because t- ten episode contained show. Yeah, that kind of links into the other seasons. Yeah, yeah. So that sounds good because I, I just want a good story told. I don't want you to have to, oh, we've got to fill it out to 22 episodes or yep. how do we drag this out for another season and let's, what do we do? So I like the fact that this is going to end in two episodes and it's like I have no idea where they're going with it. But, yeah, with Mark Bernan's episode, it's like – because I, I tweeted out saying, oh, it's giving me that sort of Twin Peaks vibe that I've been craving – and someone from Complex Magazine tweeted back at me, like just in the stream, saying, oh, you're going to love the next episode. Okay. And I watched it. And I was like, that's more Twin Peaks than the rest of the series was. <laughs> okay. And it was still not Twin Peaks, but it was like, yeah, you're sort of heading in that vibe. And then the episode after that, which is the last one I saw, was a pure sissy spacex acting her fucking ass on in every scene of this episode. She was in it. And phenomenal. If she doesn't get an Emmy, I'm telling you now, next year, it's criminal. 
or there's a really good performance out there because this was just great. And um, my wife sort of tapped out, like, because okay. I'm watching it loving the crazy episode that Bernard wrote. And my wife's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> so, okay. But I'm loving it for that reason. Yeah. Where more, you know, it was a bit more straightforward before. Now it's sort of like, now it's getting a bit weird. Where I love that. <coughs> and it got a bit in the horror element or thriller element in the last episode where she actually went and took the washing and put it in our room because it was like <laughs> getting a bit intense for her. But, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really loving it. And what I'm loving the most is I'm listening to about seven Castle Rock podcasts as well. Yeah. And that's what I'm loving the most. And I've gone back a few where I've started listening now, like six episodes in, going back and listening from it. So hearing all these speculations that they're making, that means this, or I really like this. And it's like, oh, don't get attached to that character because they're not going to make it. (laughs) Uh, Things like that. It's really good, but I'm loving not binging it. I'm loving having that week to really think about it. And then listen to everyone else's thoughts about it. And then you go, oh, and then that's what this means. So, yeah, I haven't been this immersed in a show for a very long time. Since Twin Peaks? Yeah, pretty much. Hmm. Yeah. And there was nothing before that for a long time. So, yeah, I can't recommend it enough, but it's got to be in. It could be a thing. I think it works. Yeah. The fact that I'm digging so deep into it makes me enjoy it so much more, but on a different level. And like I said, I'm not a Stephen King devotee. <laughs> so, I'm not. Knowing what Pang Horn yeah. means nothing to me until I listen to a bunch of podcasts where they're all referencing yeah. he's in the needful things, he's in this show, he's in this show. Yeah. He's a magician. That's one of his things. He does that. And that sort of comes up in this. And, okay. you know, all these aspects. I was like, oh, okay. You know. So all the Easter eggs that are there, I'm getting through the podcast, not because I know it. Yeah. But I, the fact that they exist is great. Yeah. And there's the speculation. Could this mean this? And probably not. And there's a lot of Dark Tower references that people are speculating. And it's like, I don't want it to go into that fantasy side of things. Yeah. But, yeah, is it like, is it just, you know, is it a red chess piece, the Red King? Is it just a red chess piece or is it something deeper? You know, we don't know. Sounds and cool. Yeah, so I'm really digging it. Yeah, I might have to check that out because, yeah, I, I did read a bit of Stephen King when I was sort of late high school just mm. after finishing high school. Didn't so we yeah, I think yeah. we did. It was one of those things. Yeah. So maybe I will get something out of it. But all righty, we've gone on for a little while, so yeah, that's well, probably a nice place. first one back for a while, so yeah. Yeah. So I, I think what we're going to do is we're probably going to avoid going to topics on our regular episodes now. We're just going to talk about what we've been doing, mm-hmm. and we're going to save our topics for the Welcome to My World episodes, Yep. which is purely going to be topic. There's no going to be any what we've been up to. So yeah, the... Regular Massive Attack episodes are just going to be a recap of what we've been doing, what we've been liking, that sort of stuff. And then we'll be in interspersed with uh, Welcome to My World. So the next Welcome to My World, we're going to be continuing our 1980s sci-fi fantasy theme. Continuing from Krull. Yes. It's been a while, just in case you forgot that we talked about that classic, very... It, definitely a classic. Classic? Yeah. yeah. Krull. Yes. So we're yeah, going to talk about another classic We're going to follow that time. up with another classic from the 80s. So in a couple of weeks, that'll drop. And until then, it was good to catch up with you again, Mitch. No worries. It's definitely been too long. Good to have you back. Great to get back and chatting again. So, mm. yes, if you have any feedback for us, we are the Massive Attack Podcast on Facebook. So, facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. You can find us on our website, which is themapodcast.podbean.com. 
Find us on Twitter as the MA Podcast or drop us a line on the MA Podcast at Gmail. Cool. So while you were gone, I, I just sat in here lonely and looked at the microphone. So I actually recorded a few podcasts. I'm sure you did. Just me talking to my balls. So if you go out looking on the podcast, you just type Mitch Ballgazing <laughs> and you'll find the podcast I did in the in the break that we were doing. Was it a video podcast? Mm, that's for Patreons. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. And on that note, I shall let that go. And I'll see you soon. See ya. All right. Bye-bye.